Good morning. And a blessed Reformation Day to all of you. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this blessed day of celebration. This is a, a, a celebration that is unique to Lutherans in that we celebrate what it is that God did through his servant, Martin Luther, in bringing to us the gospel, pure and unadulterated, the teaching of the Word of God without false teaching. The Reformation is really a rediscovery in so many ways of the Word of God and of the Gospel, and we celebrate uh, that great gift of God's Word and sacrament, this truth that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone, and that this is revealed to us in Scripture alone. Well, a number of things here uh, briefly before our service begins. It is fitting to be looking at Luther's small catechism each and every week, of course, but especially today. Uh, so I'll turn your attention to the back of the bulletin where we have that section there with just the uh, uh, just a little excerpt of what it is that our children are learning in midweek school from the catechism. So we'll read together the Eighth Commandment and its meaning. What is the Eighth Commandment? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor Betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Well, as we look at our service itself, we have a divine service setting three as it begins on page 184. And as it is uh, Reformation Day observed, we will have the first hymn as a processional hymn. And of course, as we come to receive the Lord's body and blood this day, that very blessed gift, we do ask that all those who come to the altar this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in that one orthodox confession of the Christian faith as our Lord bids us do in his word and testament. Well, as we have uh, already covered where the service uh, is this day and how it begins, you'll hear an introduction for the first hymn played, and then I'll ask you to stand at the appropriate time. God's blessings on your worship. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The first reading for the Festival of the Reformation is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 14. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. 
But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, solus Christus. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone. These brief statements are known as the solas because they come from that Latin word sola. The solas of the Reformation. We know them well. In Lutheran circles, these statements are repeated with some frequency. They serve as a shorthand for confessing the foundational biblical teaching that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone, and that this is revealed to us in Holy Scripture alone. Now, making use of statements like these is helpful when everybody knows what they mean. It's kind of like the different abbreviations and acronyms that are used in sports. If you're at all familiar with football, you know what it means when I say that the QB handed off to the RB who lateraled to the FB and then scored a TD, and after the TD, the same FB ran it in for an additional two points. But if you don't know the shorthand, well, football and most sports talk can sound like a jumbled mess of acronyms and strange-sounding terms. So what do grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and Scripture alone really mean? Well, we'll dig into that today as we see these teachings revealed to us in the scriptures that are appointed for Reformation Day. We'll begin with grace alone. Now, that word grace carries the meaning of undeserved kindness or undeserved gift. In other words, you're receiving something really good despite the fact that you don't deserve it at all. In the epistle today, St. Paul says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 
and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Newsflash. You and everyone else in this world is a sinner. That means that every human being since Adam and Eve has been by nature separated from God and an enemy of God. Now, if you were to picture the battle lines being drawn up for good versus evil, all humanity is accounted as evil because we are sinners. By the way, that's not where you want to be on the receiving end of the one true God's holy wrath and righteous anger against sin and evil. This was the reality which Martin Luther struggled with mightily each and every day. You see, in his years as an Augustinian monk, a question that haunted him continually was, how can I find a merciful God? Now, of course, he's talking about the one true God, not some brick or stone or smartphone that someone might bow down to. But he didn't know of God's mercy. And the answer was found in Holy Scripture, in God's Word. In fact, in the book of Romans. The epistle reading today contains just some of the passages which were world-altering for Martin Luther. He understood God's law well. Luther knew very well how sinful humanity was and how sinful he was, how he didn't measure up to God's holy Ten Commandments. He lived in fear of Christ as a terrible judge seated upon his heavenly throne. It was Martin Luther's study of God's word which led him to a proper understanding of God's grace in Christ. St. Paul writes, <clears throat> Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This was a revelation to Luther. No amount of good works, good intentions, good deeds, good thoughts, self-punishment, or money in the offering plate will save you. None of these things can cleanse you of your sin or make you right with God. We are saved by God's grace alone. His undeserved kindness shown to sinners. And just what is this kindness of God? That he sent his only begotten son to this world as the perfect sacrifice and payment for all sin, for all of mankind's sin. We are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation, that word meaning an atoning sacrifice, <clears throat> pardon me, a blood offering for sin, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Grace alone. When we deserve nothing but never-ending punishment and torment in both body and soul, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. That is grace. That is the undeserved kindness of God towards sinners, the undeserved gift of his love which he revealed in the death and resurrection of his son. God be praised. Now, because these teachings are so interwoven, you've already heard St. Paul speak some about the next sola, faith alone. Notice that this grace of God, along with the forgiveness of sins which Jesus won for us on the cross, is received by faith alone. So, what is faith? Quite simply, faith 
is trust. Faith is trusting what God has said in his word and what God gives in his word. Faith is the trust which grabs hold of and thereby receives the gifts of God in Christ Jesus. So then, how does one receive faith or have faith? Well, lest you believe that faith is a work or ability you have or somehow generate in yourself, hear what God says in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Notice the great lengths the Holy Spirit goes to in order to emphasize that faith is not of yourselves and not a result of works. It's really a very redundant set of verses. Both faith and God's grace are gifts. Faith is the God-given capacity to receive all Jesus won for you on the cross and freely gives in his word and sacraments. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone. And both things, grace and faith, are gifts of God. That brings us then to the third sola, Christ alone. Now for this, we're going to turn our attention to the gospel lesson for today. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, it has already been revealed to us by God's law that we are sinners. Therefore, according to Jesus' own words, we are slaves to sin. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So how are we set free from sin? Christ alone. Did you notice how this connects with grace alone as well, and even faith for that matter? The undeserved kindness of God the Father is seen in the giving of his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ alone is our Savior, our redemption, our payment for sin, our hope, our life, our salvation. Jesus tells us, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you see it, dear saints? Jesus, the Son of God, has set you free from sin, death, and devil. Jesus is the propitiation, that is again, the atoning sacrifice, the payment for our sins. By the shedding of his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, Jesus has set you free from all your enemies, from sin, from death, and from the devil. There's nothing left to do. Where once you were counted as an enemy of God, now he calls you his own child, his own dearly beloved child, a member of his household. He has placed his name upon you in baptism. God be praised for his grace towards sinners. Think about it. Before this world was spoken into being, God knew you. Before anything was, God knew when you would be born, and what your whole life would be like, that he would make you male or female according to his good design. More than that, God knew everything that would happen in this whole history of the world, all of the great joys and all of the tragedies. God knew all the sins which would be committed, every lie and betrayal, every murder of thought and deed, every lustful fantasy and action. 
God knew every atrocity which would take place, every abortion, every war, every dark deed ever conceived in the heart of sinful man. And despite this, God chose to save you. God chose to enter history, to take on human flesh, assuming the humanity into the divinity as we confess in the Athanasian Creed, to be born of the Virgin Mary, and to take upon himself, in his own flesh and bone, all our sin. Every dark and vile thing we as his fallen creations have ever thought, spoken, and done, Jesus took upon himself all our sin and bore that dreadful burden to the cross in your place. The sinless and perfect Son of God received all that we deserved. He was cut down with lies, brutally beaten, and nailed to the cross. And all of this the Son of God endured because he loves you. More than that, God actually likes you, and he wants to be with you forever. You see, it's easy for us to think, oh, of course God loves me, he has to, he's God, it's like it's a divine obligation. No. He doesn't have to love you, and he doesn't have to like you. He'd be justified in wiping us off the face of the earth in his fiery wrath, but he hasn't. Instead, in divine love and grace, God the Father unleashed his holy wrath over sin upon his only begotten Son. St. John has written, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation. There's that word again, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ has paid the debt for all your sin as well as the sins of all humanity. There is nothing left undone. He has accomplished and fulfilled God's gracious will to save you. The work of salvation is finished. He who was crucified was raised on the third day. Jesus is risen and he lives and reigns at the right hand of God for all eternity. And for the sake of Christ, you are forgiven all your sins. Peace with God is restored, and the devil has been overcome and cast down. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone. Now this leaves us with one final sola, scripture alone. Now we would know nothing of God's love, nothing of his grace and his mercy apart from his word. Now we can look around at the created world around us and marvel at its beauty, its mystery, and its fearsome power. We can surmise from the amazing complexity and order that we see that it must have been created. This is no accident. Only a fool would believe that. Therefore, there must be a creator. But we would know nothing of the one true God apart from his word. We need this one true God to reveal himself to us. And thanks be to God, that is what he has done. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. St. Peter has written, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, chose men throughout history who wrote God's word down, revealing the truth concerning God, humanity, and the coming Savior, revealing the truth concerning sin, death, and the devil, and our need for a Savior. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets and patriarchs wrote concerning this Savior from sin and death. The book of Hebrews teaches us, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. 
And so also, in the book of Ephesians, St. Paul writes of Christ's apostles as those who stand alongside the Old Testament prophets as the foundation of the church. Writing to the Christians in Ephesus, he says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's the church. And so you see that God chose his prophets to write the Old Testament and his apostles to write the New Testament. All that God has chosen to reveal about himself is written in holy scripture, his holy word. If you abide in my word, our Lord says, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This truth is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone. And this is revealed to us in Holy Scripture alone. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, solus Christus. These statements capture the major teachings of the Reformation. By God's grace, Martin Luther learned the truth of the gospel, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, he spread it far and wide at a time when the church had become corrupted with lies and false teaching. Thanks be to God for the faithful work of a lowly Augustinian monk who stood upon the word of God alone. Were it not for the work God accomplished through his servant Martin, we wouldn't be sitting in Trinity Lutheran Church this day. But even that's a little bit ironic because Luther himself fought against that term Lutheran for a long time before he allowed it to stand. He didn't want this movement of returning to the word of God to be known by his name. Instead, he preferred the term evangelical because that word has its roots in the Greek word for gospel. But I digress. Dear saints, by his word and spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ has given you the gift of faith. And by God's grace, you receive through faith everything Christ won for you on the cross. Jesus forgives his repentant people. He does this in his word, his absolution, and his holy supper, which we receive this day. By holy baptism, you have been made a child of God and cleansed of your guilt and shame, given the very name of God as you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have a place in God's household and at his table where he feeds you heavenly food, even his own body and his blood for the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of your souls. None of this is because of your good works and intentions. None of this is because we are worthy on our own. It is all a gift of God's grace for the sake of Christ Jesus, which we receive through faith, lest anyone should boast in himself. All glory be to God alone, in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, that God would deliver her from error and preserve in her the proclamation of the gospel and that all would fear you and give you glory, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all ministers of the word, that by their preaching of the law, all would be held accountable to God without excuse, and that by their proclamation of the gospel, all would know Jesus Christ as their Savior, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are blind to the bondage of their sin, 
that God would open their eyes by the words of Jesus and grant them the true freedom of sonship through a permanent place in his household. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our homes and families, that God would keep us in his word and so make us truly his disciples, freed from error and at peace, and especially for all fathers, that God would preserve and encourage them for their godly task bring, to bring up children who fear him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have for civil authorities, especially our President, Congress, and all who make and administer our laws, that God would protect them from the temptations that beset their offices and grant them wisdom and courage to serve with integrity. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who cry to God for healing of body and soul, especially Helen Tate, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that he would grant them release from their afflictions according to his will and sustain their hope until the day of Christ's appearing, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who come to Christ's altar seeking the forgiveness of sins, that with repentant hearts they may receive his gifts, seek to amend their lives, and by his Spirit be aligned with his will and purpose, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Mighty fortress, rock of refuge, we give you thanks for all your servants who have departed this life in faith. We especially bless you today for the great reformers of your church who call us back to the gospel and to the righteousness we have in Christ alone. Keep us in fellowship with them and bring us at last to our heavenly home and the joy of seeing our Redeemer face to face through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.